today we welcome to the show a good friend of the podcast, a multimedia superstar, a host, a digital creator, B. Terrell. How are you? Okay, first of all, it is too close to Sunday to be telling such fibs. I'm nobody's superstar yet. <laughs> Just wait until I get to the second paragraph. That's not it. Oh, we, gosh. We, okay, keep going. Keep going. All right. We, we got a little more. We got a little more. So B is a former co-worker of ours at Windsider and has gone on to accomplish so much in the last few years in the women's basketball space. His work can be found at Made for the W, on Anscape, in W Slam. I mean, his work can be found if you click on Asia Wilson's Twitter avatar because he took the damn photo. Uh, he's also a member of the committee and perhaps the only person on the planet who believes that the Atlanta dream will win the 2023 WNBA championship. And that my friends is, is the full intro B welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All of those things are definitely true. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. (laughs) So, all right, we have to, for, for anyone who knows, and I'm sure a lot of you do, B is a big South Carolina fan, very professional in a lot of ways, but when it comes to South Carolina, you know, we're, we're fans. What can we say? So how are you doing after this past weekend? How are you feeling? How are you holding up? You know, to be honest, like I'm still, I still find myself getting, I still find myself getting upset sometimes and not like in a bad, angry, you know, like there's, I'm just overcome with rage type way, but like just the officiating man. And then it was so close. It was a four point game. And so I find myself like if Aaliyah didn't get those two quick fouls, which were horrible, like I would have it would have allowed her to stay in the game. And what would that difference had been? Obviously, there were still some easy missed layups and some crucial turnovers from South Carolina. But if they were really allowed, if they were allowed to play how the game was played Sunday, I felt like they would they would have been a two-time, well, they would have been, uh, what, uh, repeat, back-to-back national champions. So, but, hey, we move, you know, South Carolina lost, um, and and the Freshies are now former students at South Carolina. Sorry, it's an emotional subject for me. But, you know, the Freshies have gone on now um, after, you know, basically either declaring that they are going into the draft or, in the case of Olivia, I, I don't know if that means she's moving on from basketball or using her fifth year elsewhere. I'm not sure. But that group is no longer together. So we're looking forward to the future. So all in all, I'm okay. <sighs> I have no choice. I feel really bad because you just got really emotional talking about this team. But I was going to push back on you saying that had they played on Sunday, that the officiating would have been better because I would argue that the officiating was just as bad on Sunday in terms of we get this this high profile game and on both sides, yeah. players are constantly dealing with foul trouble. And I would just love to see them. And I think I floated this to Owen before, but if I could see a rule change at any level of basketball, I don't want to see players foul out anymore. I want you to hit the foul limit. And then if you go over it, if that player goes over it, then he or she gets a technical foul and you get two shots in the ball. But like we're coming to see these players. We want to have the the game should uh, incentivize the best players to be on the court at all times. Or or if you don't want to do something that drastic, like just give them six fouls. Like, why do we need five fouls? 
I really think that six is good because I mean they they it's like it or not, it's preparing them, um, at least some of them, obviously the top players is preparing them for the next level. So I do think that six fouls is is probably the best way to go. Maybe not eliminate because that can sometimes be a good thing, especially, you know, for my team, how physical we play. Getting someone else in foul trouble can be good. I just hate when it happens to us. But also, yeah, don't eliminate fouling out. But, yeah, I think giving someone six fouls will be good. Can you imagine if South Carolina played people like Ole Miss and Georgia and Stanford and Tennessee and they don't foul out? No, I don't like that. Get them out of here. (laughs) Miles <laughs> is the only person on the planet that thinks this is a good idea. Nah, Definitely. nah, because you hit that limit and you're getting a technical, and then you would just keep the ball if they keep fouling you over and best, over. What if you're not the best free throw shooting team? So people can then intentionally foul you. You could do I mean, that now anyway. Intentionally foul yeah. you, but like if, if you're fouled out, they're like, oh, they get the ball. Definitely foul that one. Like at least if you take them out of the game, or that person can foul out. That Brink getting Cameron Brink out hypothetically sorry Stanford fans I love the Cardinal just not the mascot that tree is really creepy but (laughs) imagine eliminating Cameron Brink from the game that's that's an advantage but if she's still there she's still a defensive presence Mm -mm, I like mm -mm, file him out (laughs) out. (laughs) well thank you for coming on to our podcast but you disagreed with us so now we're done that's it that's it it was a great (laughs) I want to I want to come back to the whole weekend because just the vibes are really great and hearing the just especially those Iowa fans got loud in both games from what it sounded like at least on TV and from what I saw what was although the results didn't go the way you wanted what was your favorite moment from the weekend to be honest, my favorite moment started in the regional. Um, Cause so I went to the, uh, it pained me to not go to Greenville, but I went to the Seattle regional and that was my first time one seeing Caitlin in person and then seeing how they packed it out. Like Caitlin and Iowa brought the fans out. Like they, you would think that it was a, a, an ACES storm um, playoff matchup with how packed uh, Climate Pledge Arena was. And can I just say that that's probably immediately my favorite arena that I've ever been to so far. Climate Pledge is beautiful. Like, if not my favorite, is definitely top three. And it's not the third. So I don't know whose place they're taking, but it is top three. But um, seeing that then, obviously, and then I went from Seattle and then to Dallas for the final four. Um, the weekend, the events surrounding the weekend were amazing as well. The vibes, like you mentioned, were awesome. Um, I, along with Lowe, hosted a Player Society pop-up, which, like, just to have so many women's basketball enthusiasts there, just celebrating women's basketball, celebrating the culture around women's basketball, that was fun. The games, obviously, were good um, in everything that came with it. and But I just think that Dallas was really a good time. And this was my second um, Final Four going to in person. And last year, I think that what made this better than last year's is because it was in a warmer city. Dallas compared to Minneapolis, night and day. And so I think being able to have people outside and celebrating, that made it fun compared to kind of everyone just kind of running between buildings and in the, in the skywalks or whatever because everyone's trying to stay out of the snow. 
So Dallas was an amazing city. We're going to get cold again next year going to Cleveland. But I think if you could have been in Dallas, you I think everyone left with like a, wow, women's basketball is really here. That's that's awesome. I also love when this happens because you just segued perfectly into my next question. Shout out to Lowe. I, I was going to mention Lowe in this next question. We're super excited to, to have her on the pod um, soon. And we know that Lowe rides for the SEC. Mm-hmm. You know, South Carolina's number one, but if South Carolina's not involved, we are rooting SEC. Right. And I feel like to me, one of the biggest takeaways, maybe the takeaway of this tournament, other than what you just said, which is just that it was amazing vibes and just so great for the game, uh, was that the SEC had about as spectacular a tournament as they could have had. We had Coach Yo lead uh, Ole Miss over number one seed Stanford and go to the Sweet 16. And then obviously we had LSU win the final, break records, mm-hmm. and and uh, take home the title. Are you in the same boat as Low, where when yeah. when Carolina's out, it's like SEC over everyone? Yeah, I think you know what. <clears throat> I don't know if I can say this. I think for the majority of people in the SEC, what there are twelve schools, I think in the SEC, I think twelve. Yeah, everyone will if everyone has their favorite team, but then they'll if it's not their favorite team, they'll root for ten others in the SEC. It's one school in particular that people may not root for. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is a no one listens to us anyway. You can try. Nobody's gonna root for Mizzou. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I knew it. it. Twelve I knew it. or fourteen schools. I forgot how many. It's twelve or fourteen. Whatever it is, no one's gonna root for that one program. But, um, but you know, you're always gonna root for everyone else. But yeah, I loved it because. All season, it was like the SEC was underperforming. The SEC, now granted, no, the SEC didn't really have that tough of a schedule. We didn't have those signature wins compared to a lot of the other programs. You know, obviously, um, UConn had a tough non-conference schedule. You had some mid-majors that had a tougher non-conference schedule than a lot of the um, SEC programs. But when we got to conference play, we all played and beat up each other and were able to really, like, develop those habits that will, you know, kind of lead to a successful run in the postseason. And so to see Tennessee, to see Ole Miss, to see LSU and South Carolina, like have a really um, good showing, even though Georgia didn't beat Iowa, they were close. They were very close. Um, prop, I don't know if it was lack of experience maybe towards the end or some unfair calls. I'm not sure. But Georgia was very close. They kind of just crumbled in the end. So to see those performances by the SEC schools, it, it was amazing. On um, what? We had four in the Sweet 16? We could have literally had an all-SEC Final Four. That would have been so dope. Oh, um, but, yeah, happen. I'm yeah, definitely going to ride for the SEC. We're, we're manifesting the all-SEC Final Four. I want to see it happen. And that's such a good point about Georgia, too. It's like so much has happened in the last few weeks that I totally forgot that Georgia gave – yeah, yeah, Georgia gave Iowa a real game. I mean, that was a game with three, four minutes left. Yeah. You know, Iowa beat South Carolina, beat Georgia, but those games could have got either way. And then obviously LSU had the had the answer at the end. But um, yeah, that was a that was a fun one. Yeah, and it felt like the biggest push for LSU 
came from Utah, I would say. And seeing how these, like how the end of the conference, uh, how the end of the tournament is just a referendum on where all of the conferences stand mm-hmm. is just kind of a fun thing, especially for all of the, all of the fans within these schools, because it becomes a big rivalry and that just kind of further fuels the rivalry. So what has stood out to you in particular in watching the growth of the SEC? What's been the most impressive part of the growth of the conference? I think um, <clears throat> I think the SEC has become a place where the people want to play. Like a lot of times, a few years ago, a few seasons ago, you would have coaches and players talk about the physicality of the SEC, um, and how that's even this, even as recent as this season, you would have some players, some coaches mention that you know that's not basketball or whatever, whatever way they decide to um, describe it. But I think now a lot of people you're seeing them run to the SEC. A player recently made a, com- um, a comment, I think, today about, wow, now everybody want to come to the SEC once I leave, you know, once I transfer out. Um, and I thought it was funny because, like, a lot of the programs are, you know, building through the portal, um, through developing their own players, you know, doing recruiting or going to getting them from JUCO. You look at you look at Ole Miss. Ole Miss was at the bottom of the SEC for a while. Um, Coach Yo came. Had a few rough years, kind of sort of to the start, and then went to the NIT, uh, the WNIT, and then made the tournament last year with Shakira, and then made it to the Sweet 16 this year. And she's only she got some, as of right now, she she got some good additions. She could probably get more out of the portal. So I think that's what I like about the SEC is that we may have had some off, I won't say down years, some kind of shaky years. Obviously, South Carolina was still at the top. You had a few years when it was South Carolina, Mississippi State, and then Tennessee's been kind of coming back, whatever. And then, obviously, now the reigning national champions are LSU. So I think that's what I really love. And the girls want to play in the SEC because they're like, okay, I want to get better. I want, you know, I want to compete against some strong ones, maybe prepare me for the WNBA. So let me go to see where they're really hooping at. And I think that's what they're doing in the SEC. And obviously, the SEC wins it all. The championship game broke viewership records. It is. Uh, it is. The specific numbers, we had a, an average, I think, of 9.9 million viewers, 12.6 million viewers at peak, shattered all the records. Just awesome stuff to see. And kind of what we expected. I mean, you could just see it from a standpoint of, like, you know, my friends hitting me up. whom They might not follow basketball super closely but they were tuned in and the buzz you can just feel the buzz being generated in a really positive way um and then on the court too uh you know records being broken LSU scoring 102 points in the final which has never been done before just an incredibly entertaining well-played game what were the vibes like in the arena um during that championship game and and just what were your takeaways from this LSU team and this run that that they that they just put out there I don't know. I was sitting pouting the entire time. I didn't pay attention to the game. (laughs) But no, it was, I remember the game started. I was still in the back getting my camera and stuff set up. Um, I was running back and forth, you know, and I was like, okay, they're leaving Caitlin open. And I I thought, I was like, all right, they were going back and forth. And I said, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. And then, I don't know, something clicked. I remember Angel got got her second, maybe. Mm -hmm. And she went to the bench, right, for a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like the, la- the whole second quarter, basically. Yeah, and then Jasmine Carson happened. 
Mm-hmm. And when she ended it with that um that that shot to go to halftime, I said, "It's it's 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 over." Like LSU was basically in charge, and I said, "Iowa will make a run," in which they did because I think they got it under not under um double digits. They made their run, but LSU was like, uh, "Not on my watch." And the energy was the energy there in the arena was insane. Um. And then around midway in the fourth quarter, I think that's when Iowa's fans started to accept, you know, yeah, this this this, this is not looking good for us. I was sitting there laughing, and I was enjoying my water. I was like, okay, well, the trophy's coming back to the SEC. I was like, it ain't us, but that's fine. And um, I was it it was a it was amazing. And LSU really soaked up the moment. Um, I'm happy because they gave us some great sound bites. You know, obviously, you don't want to make sure you have all the, that good content for social. But, like, it was insane there. Like, the people were cheering from top of the arena all the way to the court. Like, it was a beautiful sight to see. And it made me low-key think, like, are there any venues that's not quite a football stadium but bigger than a basketball stadium that can handle a Final Four. Like, I don't know, like mini domes or something that can get more than your 18,000. Probably 25-ish to 30, possibly. Like, because there were so many people who couldn't get a ticket. Um, So I I know people could feel the energy coming from the TV and just imagine how it was or how much more amplified it was to be there in the actual arena. I love it. Um, I love just the the growth that, that we're at a point where we're talking about the venue was not large enough mm-hmm. to contain the energy of the fan bases. And that is an energy. And just like these prospects that have to very quickly make their, their yeah. shift into, into being pros, I'm going to just switch it up on you Welcome real quick. Welcome to paying bills, y'all. You're grown <laughs> now. <laughs> How can the WNBA look at that, right? Even look at an arena that's one of their own. And try to build off of that momentum as we go into the W season. It's I, I just really want to. That's a good question. That's something I've been thinking about over the weekend, um, even before talking to you all today. Like, how can we bottle that up and take it? Because obviously, for a few, for your, there are some fan bases that you know consistently lead um, the, the the W in attendance, um, and it's not like it's still crazy numbers. Um, and I want to see the crowds come before the playoffs or, or more specifically before the finals, because the finals, the people are going to always come to that, but I want to see that throughout the entire season. I mean, I've thought about, you know, maybe doing a few games a year at those college campuses where you, you have your stars, your South Carolina, your UConn, your Notre Dame players, your Stanford and, and what Maryland players, those, those they're the stars in your league. Um, I know a few years ago they went to Delaware for EDD. They played a game there. I know a game will sell out, if not sell out, do close to selling out in Columbia. Take them to Knoxville or even Nashville. Go to stores where they have they have um, the Connecticut, they have the sun there, so that's close to stores. But, like, go to a lot of these college campuses that have, like, really strong bases for women's basketball um, do collaborative marketing somehow. Um, I love to see, I think last year was one of the times when I really saw for the first time that a lot of, or maybe, maybe in the bubble, 
Um, I think starting with the bubble season and then um, so from then, a lot of teams have been trying to do a better job of marketing their players who are in the pros. But it's always just been like, you know, a few tweets, posters or highlighting stats or things like that. Or if someone wins an award saying like, oh, this is a such and such rookie of the year from this school. or This is how many MVPs we've had. Do more. Do team nights or something like that. Do community nights or so. Um, I, I just I, I don't know what it will take to do it. Um, but I think um, something we were talking about today is the cultural impact that a lot of the players now that are in college, hopefully the fanfare that they are experiencing, like when Angel gets to the pros, whether it's next year or if she decides to stay up for another year, hopefully those people that have tuned in to this continue to follow. Or hopefully the people that have followed the, this tournament because of the hype surrounding a lot of the players, you may have tuned in for Caitlin, but you may have been intrigued um, for Zaya. You may have tuned in to see um, Indiana, but you may have been intrigued by the Cavender Twins or whomever. Whomever makes the league, hopefully there was someone that caught your attention that now you can follow them from the tournament to the draft and then to the WNBA season. So getting the fans is getting the fans and keeping the fans, I think is something that they really need to focus on how they go about it. I'm just not sure. Yeah. I mean, we've got a couple of players two that jumped to mind immediately. Asia Wilson, right. Bringing those South Carolina fans. I mean, yeah. you are a South Carolina fan who literally lives in Las Vegas now. So like <laughs> transplanting yeah. some of that fan base with her or Sabrina, we've seen in New York, a lot of mm -hmm. those Oregon fans have followed through to the pros. And I think this is the second straight year that I've seen that metric where eight out of 10 of the top social media followings are coming on the women's side. So hopefully that translates yeah. for the W in terms of viewership, in terms of bringing in. I agree. And speaking of that, um, that I think this is the class, and especially next year, the when the NIL babies start to come into the league, I think that's when it's really one. I know this is a topic we've all beaten over and over. Expansion needs to happen because those kids are taking; they're going to take jobs, and so this year the majority of the people. Let me see. Um, you have Zaya, who has a strong following for NIL. Um, Aaliyah has a pretty solid following. Brie Bill, I think she's over 100-something thousand or whatever. Um, I'm not sure what Haley and Jordan's numbers look like. Um, I think Haley is pretty good, especially Haley. Haley. Okay, so you have some of those. But then when you're looking at next year, Paige, Caitlin, Cameron Brink, um, Haley Van Liff, you're looking at Rakia Jackson. You're looking at an angel who could possibly come out. You're looking at um like people like like Tamari Key or whomever. Like a lot of those players have those followings that can put cheeks in the seat. So whether they play or not, the people are going to buy their jerseys. Look what happened at look what happened in Indiana Fever drafted Kaiser. Her jersey sold out in 22 minutes. 22 minutes. So. Mm -hmm they need to do something. And uh, I think that's something that could really help with um, getting the fans uh, to the league. 
well, you just jumped us ahead a full year, but we got another draft. (laughs) We got to talk about this draft that's coming up in a couple of days. Uh, Drafts around the corner. You're coming to our city on Monday uh, to continue work on your Brooklyn accent. Hey, yo, son. Hey, yo, man, I'm going to the bodega. Get me a bacon, egg, and cheese. Now, I mean, how was that? No, you're getting there. You're getting there. It's getting better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, while some of the prospects that you've talked about already have opted to return to college, lots are hoping to hear Cappy call their names in just a couple Mm -hmm. of days time. Um, People know Aaliyah. There's been a good amount of buzz about Diamond Miller, about Haley Jones. But who's a player that you love that hasn't gotten as much shine? Someone who you think can make a roster out of training camp and just be impactful from day one as a rookie. Uh, uh, and I, I don't want this to seem, I don't want this to seem biased at all. Which South Carolina player? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a lot of people, obviously, um, Brie Bill this year has definitely had um, an improvement. And because she went from not being mentioned at all to being on people's radar all the way up to a first round pick. But I really think, a steal in the draft could be Leticia. Yep. I remember getting calls last year, getting some text messages about her if she was, because a lot of people may not remember that um, LA came to school a little earlier. Um, so she came in, she came in 20 in spring of 2019. Aaliyah them didn't come to uh, until that summer. And so LA was able to like sit on the bench and stuff with those girls um, for a, a whole semester earlier, be able to soak it in, obviously rehab and everything like that, but be able to learn from the coaches and be able to learn from some of those other players. And we saw last year while Henny was out, um, LA ran point guard. You got a six four, six three, six four player running point. Um, you have someone who is a defensive presence. You have someone who can stretch the floor. We'll love, obviously, to see her um, with a shot. Um, to It's there. Just take it. I want her to take her shots more. Um, but you have someone that can defend all positions from one to five. And, you know, she can bang in the paint. She can control. She can get the rebound, as we saw, and push it. Uh, I don't want to put this on her and call her an EDD or a Candace or anything but when you're thinking of someone with that size that is not afraid to actually control an offense or at least bring the ball up, I think that that's important. And so, like I was saying, I got some calls last year about her inquiring about her and if she was going to come out. And those teams had some pretty good picks in terms of positioning. So I think that this year, especially with um, some of the games that they had this season, LA was real a, a real standout, especially in the SEC tournament. And then even what she did for during her time um, guarding Caitlin in the in the Iowa game. So I think that that's someone who could really be a nice steal. Obviously, Aaliyah is one, and then after that, who knows where who goes where? But I think LA could be a really good steal for someone in the draft. I'm just. For people who who are listening, you know, we have the the video up. We don't release it, but we're all, you know, looking at each other as we talk. And I was just nodding vigorously through that entire, you know, L.A. segment because I agree. Like, she's so good. And I'm so glad you brought up her defense on Caitlin because we were all talking about Bree guarding Caitlin and Bree's such an acceptable, uh, exceptional 
perimeter defender that that was the matchup we were excited to see. But LA like really did well on yep. Caitlin in the minutes and she can also guard fives. Yeah. And I just couldn't be more impressed. That would be my answer to that question too. And I think frankly, like it's, it's not even biased in any way. Cause I think a lot of GMs feel this way. The, mm-hmm. the athletic just ran something with kind of like anonymous WNBA GMs and their takes on, on uh, prospects in this draft. And LA is someone who, who everyone kind of is, is eyeing as like, Oh, she's going to be really good. And no one's talking about her. So this segues once again into one of my next questions here, I'm, I'm going to lob some more South Carolina um, inquiries at you. You just broke the news that LA is signing with Jade Lee English of clutch sports, who, for those who don't know, she also represents Asia Wilson Chelsea Gray, many others, um, a legend. Uh, where would you like to see LA go? Where would you like to see Brie go in the draft? Like, what are some good fits uh, in terms of of a WNBA team? LA is Canadian. Who loves Canadians? You know who? Which GM? Oh well, she's no longer a GM. Which team loves Canadians? <laughs> you have her going three. Is that where you're looking? I don't know if she'll go there, but I won't be surprised if if Cheryl or whomever in the Lynx organization can find a way to trade a pick, a player, or somebody for L.A. Because Natalie's not – I don't know. I'm not sure what her time frame is from returning from uh, maternity leave. But if Natalie isn't playing this year – I mean, L.A. could very well fit there, but realistically, I won't be surprised if she ends up in Atlanta. Because um, Atlanta has, what, three and eight? No, no, no. Uh, they've, got, they've got six and eight. Six, six and, eight, and eight, I think. I won't be surprised if she ends up in, 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 in um, one, of those, one of those Atlanta picks. Especially with how much Tanisha Wright was talking about defense last year and, and mm-hmm. how much she was kind of putting that into the game. She also was tweeting during the championship game. Why wasn't Brie Beal playing more on Caitlin? Mm-hmm. She could get both of them. Who knows? Get six and eight. Or get, she very well could. I think, I think that Brie, for some reason, is going to end up in Indiana. And not because I was already thinking that even before it came out that she was projected to go there. I can really see Lyndon likes a, a good defensive team. Thinking back to those championship team, well, that championship team, and when Lynn was the coach, you had Tamika, you had Brianne January, you had um, Erlena Larkins, you had Karima Christmas Kelly, Aaron Phillips, Katie Douglas. Like they had some, some defensive heavyweights on that team, and I think that maybe that's props possibly where they could be trying to shape it up. You add, you add, um, you add Aaliyah. You already have Queen and Alyssa. You have Henny, who's not a defensive slouch either. Henny's a little smaller, but still not a defensive slouch. You already got Maya Caldwell. Um, Erica Wheeler's there Erica now. Erica Wheeler's there. I really feel like Bree gives you that bigger body. Bree, Bree gives you a big body that can probably guard one through four. Um. And they got people that can guard fives. That's fine. They got people that can take care of fives there. You're right. You're right. You're right. And so I, I can see Bree ending up in, in Indiana. Um, but I won't be surprised for LA if she does 
end up in Atlanta with one of those picks. Because imagine if you have, okay, your starting lineup for Atlanta more than likely will be D-Rob, Leash, Ryan, I guess maybe Monique and, and Cheyenne. Mm-hmm. And then you bring AD off the bench, Aerie. You're going to need some size somewhere. LA could be that for you. And then um, I don't even know who else is. Oh, Nas. LA and Nas possibly off the bench. So, I, yeah. I could, That's a squad. That's a squad right there. I could see and, and the positional versatility, they could play big. They could play small. Like, yep. you, you've completely sold me on this idea. You can use them interchangeably because Ryan can control the offense. She could bring the ball up sometimes um, with the first squad. Um, LA could, depending on matchup, bring it up. Like if LA gets the rebound, you got AD and Aerie like running down court. LA can bring it up and dish it to them. Who knows? Like, I I like it. I like I it. Yeah, it. I, I see it. it. I see the vision. To, like I'm zoned out looking in, into the <laughs> abyss here. Like, yeah, I I, I like that. <laughs> I wish they could come to um, Vegas, but you know, I can't. You know, we can't have them all. <laughs> I wanted to turn the the questions around on you a little bit because mm-hmm. some of the people listening might not know your work, which is a problem and, and they ought to fix that. But for those that don't know, you're also an incredibly talented photographer. And I wanted to talk to you because I think that that journey is kind of fascinating. Just talk to you about how that kind of started for you. Um. Okay. So I, I remember back in, oof, it's been a fun ride. Um. It's still something that I'm What's the right word? I am a I'm a I'm a little hesitant or always reluctant to call myself a photographer because I know there are so many people who have so many more hours in it than I, than I do. But I'm very I've been very fortunate and very blessed for some of the opportunities that I received, um, and I'm still learning. But I remember back in 2019, I I always wanted to just have a camera just for when I travel. I love travel. I love traveling. I'm a foodie. So I just want to take photos of my food or when I like go to a beautiful landmark or something, no matter where, but whatever country I'm visiting or just anything. I just want to do that type of street photography and food. Um, nothing professionally, just for me and for if I want to put it on Instagram. So I bought a little camera and I remember it was the final game of the WNBA season in 2019. It was Atlanta versus New York. And my editor hit me and she was like, hey, don't you have a camera? And I said, yeah. And she was like, so-and-so, our photographer, um, the BFW, couldn't make the game. And she's like, just bring it and see what you get. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing. She's like, just bring it. Just bring it and see. And then Bill talked to Kelsey. Shout out to Kelsey. They uh, switched my credential to um, a photo credential. And I said, okay. It was my very first season. I had just, that was my first year covering the league. And the last game of the WNBA season. So I went. I was so nervous. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just clicking. I was just clicking. And I took a photo that ended up being, one, Tanisha uh, Tanisha Wright's final shot um, because she decided to um, – and I don't know where that photo is. I have to find it. It was her final shot because afterwards she announced her retirement. And then also the on-court debut of the Jordan – I think it was 34s. Whatever it was, Kia Nurse wore them. And they were an on-court debut of those. So I posted the photo. We ran it on Made for the W. And that photo went everywhere from Bleacher, Bleacher, um, BR Kicks to Soul Collector to Nice Kicks and everything. 
And I was like, okay, cool. It's a viral moment. That's fine. And so many people started hitting me up. And I was like, you know, I think I like this. And so shout out to people like Brie, um, Brie Lewerke, um, uh, I don't want to, oh, God, so many names, uh, Alex Park, um, Sean, uh, Janine, um, another Sean, like so many photographers who have really poured into me and given me tips on just really just, they're like, yo, you're on the right path or you're, you're, these are dope. Uh, oh, Meredith, how can I forget Mer Minx? I love you, Minx. Like so many people have given me so many tips and have like kind of been my mentors from afar of sorts um, and just really just helping me on this journey at becoming a, a, a better photographer. A lot of crash courses on YouTube University, like a lot of questions. So it's been fun. Since then, I've been able to shoot, what, a couple WBA All-Star games. I went to NBA All-Star. I did the NFL Pro Bowl. I've done um, my my college's homecoming. Like, that camera has opened up a lot of opportunities for me, Athletes Unlimited. Um, like, it's just really been a fun ride. The Shrine Bowl, I'm just thinking of more opportunities that I've had because I decided to take that leap, kind of get out of my comfort zone, um, because I've always been the type that if I if I can't be perfect at it, I, I don't want to try it. Or if I'm not, I, sometimes I kind of expect perfection right away, and which has kind of like caused me to not enjoy the process as much. But this is a ride that I'm really enjoying seeing the growth in my photography and things like that. Because I look at some pictures when I first started like, ooh, that was terrible. And then I look now, still have a long way to go. But I look, I was like, yo, I, I really did that. I did that. And so, yeah, it's been a fun ride, and I'm so, so excited. So, shouts out to Mel and Sim at Made for the W. They really have trusted me, um, giving me, like, control to just be me on their networks, on their social platform, and I, I love it. That's beautiful. I, I love it, too. It's uh, Bee's pictures are so good, and you have to go and check out Asia Wilson's twitter avatar because it's like a, it's an iconic picture and i was actually i got the behind the scenes we were both you know in connecticut after the game milling around b was like ah do we do we go out you know go for dinner it's like no we, we got to get a little bit more yep. and then beautiful moment uh is captured that that was so cool yes we were literally about to go eat yes and i think every, i forgot who we were walking with at that time but they left us and i think we heard the music and yep. we were like Okay. And you was like, come on, let's go. And so I, we went and then got that photo. And I didn't think anything while I was doing it. And then when I was going back, I was like, wow. And that photo ran a lot of places. I was like, that's probably, that's probably one of my favorite photos I've ever taken. Oh, it's, it's, it's so good. I love it so much. What's a, what's a bucket list event for you that you would love to shoot? What's something you haven't done yet that you just, you'd love to, to, to shoot? Um, the Olympics. I would love to go to the Olympics. I really want to go to the Paris Olympics next year. And there are two teams I want, two NBA teams I want to shoot. The Warriors and my favorite team, the Dallas Mavericks. So I've done the WNBA Finals. I've done Women's Final Four. Um, but um, my favorite teams growing up were... 
I was always, a, I was, I was, I need, after Jordan retired, I needed a team. So there was like this kind of hold off period for me for a few years. And I just like put myself through like this rigorous course to finding my new favorite team. And it became the Warriors, I mean, the, the Mavs back in 2003. And so that's been my favorite team since then. I think I was a sophomore in high school. And ever since then, the Mavs have been my favorite team. And then obviously Steph, because he's from the Carolinas, but then I really want to do the Olympics. So anybody listening to this, you need somebody for social content. You need somebody for lifestyle content, whatever you need, a photographer, like, yo, holla at me. I'm trying to go to the Olympics. It's in Paris. We, we, I want to go have some crepes and, and espresso, all that good stuff. Holla at me. <laughs> you got so close last month to covering a, a Mavs game when you were at AU. Oh, you almost God. made that work. So close. I was there in Dallas and oh uh, yeah, it was yeah. so close. So it was them and LeBron, right? Yeah. That was the game. Yep. Yep. So hopefully I'll be able to do it soon. I'll definitely be able to do it soon. Let's look at the future for you. So looking out next five years or so, looking back to the last five years, you've gotten to this point. What's What's the what's your next move? When are you hiring us? When is Terrell International taking off? I guess that's the Olympics. What's coming next? Um, um, I really there are some things in the works. I'll say that there are some things in the works. Um, in terms of some fun, some fun shows. Um, obviously, everyone know. If you're familiar with me, you know about the whole traveling fiasco, and you know I'm a foodie and those type things. And so hopefully being able to take that, my real life experiences and turning it into some really fun shows. I want to, I, I want, I used to say I wanted to have my own talk show, like live studio and things, but I do best going different places. And so I don't like monotony. So I don't want to be the same place every day. I mean, it's cool. Let me, so I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shoot down any of those opportunities. I would love to, if I were doing studio shows, it would definitely have to be something different every day, whatever, um, whether, you know, so I, I, I want some fun things to do. Um, I love traveling. So really what I'm looking at doing is kind of fusing my, all of my passions, which is, which are music, sports, and food, um, and sneakers. And travel. Okay, so those five things, music, sports, food, sneakers, and travel, I want to really merge them all together and be able to bring the people an amazing show. I would love a dine-in, dine in drivers, di what? Drivers, diners, yeah. <laughs> I would love to do something like that. Who knows? Um, I, I just... I just want to make fun content that's authentic to me because I feel like when it's authentic to you, when you actually enjoy it, that the, the audience is able to pick up on that and that makes it good. So I don't want to do anything forced. I don't want to force connections or relationships. I want everything to be all organic. And so if I can do that and be able to show who I am and the things that I like while still um, telling the stories of these athletes, and that, that would be amazing. So who knows? Maybe I can go on a ride along with Asia and we go to all of like our favorite restaurants in South Carolina or something. Who knows? But yeah, something something dope and fun. So that's where I see B Terrell going over the next few years. 
I can't wait for all of that. Um, Owen gave a kind of glimpse behind the curtain to people listening, saying that we're on video. And I think maybe the biggest surprise for me was that you were not running for a flight that you're running, that you were as you jumped on with us because you're running late. Yes. Yes. I am. I am here to pray for me on Saturday because I'm going out Friday. No, pray, pray for me Sunday because I'm going out Saturday. And so hopefully I can make that early morning flight to New York. We better see you. Yeah, we better see you on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to yeah, say. I'll be, I'll be there, hopefully. <laughs> Before we get you out of here, you're always doing dope stuff. Do you have anything that you want to plug for right now? Ooh, I don't know. if Nothing's dry yet. So just, I would say just follow me on on Twitter and Instagram. There are some things that are coming at It's B Terrell, I-T-S-B-T-E-R-R-E-L-L. Um, on both Twitter and Instagram, there are some things that are coming very soon. Um, and so just just stay tuned for that. You're going to be seeing a lot more of of me, the person. You're going to be seeing me in front of the camera a lot more. And speaking of in front of the camera, can I just say I want to give a shout out to these amazing people. Mel and Sim, for sure, who are the co-founders of Made for the W. Um. They always told me your personality, your personality, but so many different reasons. I always was hesitant to do it. And then shout out to Ari, Christina, and Tarika for really like pushing, pushing that out of me too. I remember last year at the final four in Minneapolis, I was doing my little videos, recording, recording the players and stuff, doing an interview. I will always do an interview with them in front of the camera, I mean, behind the camera and just put focal Focus the camera on them. Ari snatched my phone. She said, no, get in front of the camera. And I was like, no, I'm not dressed. She's like, I don't care. We can work on that. Um, you can change later. She was like, get in front of the camera. She said, and ever since then, I've always told myself, no, B, get in, you belong in front of the camera. Do this. And so shout out to you, Ari, for that. Shout out to Mel and Sim for believing in me. Shout out to Christina and Tarika for all the opportunities. Tarika and I had so much fun doing NBA All-Star. And I just I love it. I love when people I love when you have people that will say your name in rooms that you aren't even in or that you don't even know. And you two know that for sure. So I love them for that. And last but not least, in addition to everyone else, shout out to two amazing people, Don Staley and Delisha Milton Jones. Those are two of my favorite people of all time, two of my favorite coaches, two of my favorite players. And when I was first getting started in this media thing, way before I even covered a WNBA game in my first year, they were the first guests back when I had a podcast. And they both instilled so much faith and belief into me that I was on the right path. So shout out to them. They planted those seeds a long time ago. And those are homie for life. And if I ever need anything, I know they're one call, text, DM, tweet, whatever away. And they got my back. So they're going to always get nothing but praise and love for me. So shout out to them. And yeah, so you're going to be seeing a lot of Beats Rail coming soon, very soon. Um, so just follow me and all those announcements will come because this summer will be going up. Well, if you don't big time us too much, we're going to have you back to talk Never. about some of that stuff once Never you're allowed to talk about it. We have to do more pizza. No, got the pizza. Yep. We have to do. No, we can always do more pizza. Okay, we can do pizza and then chopped cheese. I think you said. Yeah, chopped cheese. We're gonna get you some chopped cheese, but not Times Square. Sounds like a Philly cheesesteak or hamburger. I don't know. 
<laughs> We're getting you out of Times Square first. That's that's the first thing to take care of, and then we'll treat you right on Monday. They're probably going to kick me out because I'm going to ask for pineapple on my pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make us look bad. Don't embarrass us when you get here. Okay, okay. But for today, B, thank you for pulling up with us. Great to talk to you. Can't wait to see you in a couple of days. Thank you, and as always, still, go South Carolina. Woo! Woo!